reading in the uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, that's Christ and his disciples, a certain man has said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you very much for the opportunity to preach your word. I thank you for uh, the opportunity our group has to come visit this church and to sing and minister. I pray that you would strengthen your people through it. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit as I preach. I pray that you would guide the words which I say, and uh, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to convict where necessary, where things might have to change. I pray that you'd empower us to make those changes. Uh, if there are some here who are discouraged, I pray that you'd encourage them with your word. I pray that you'd help us to leave here energized and, and uh, full of passion to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm thankful for many people who have had an impact on my life. Uh, maybe you can look back at your life and look back at people who had had a great impact on your life. Uh, one of those is Pastor Townsley in my life. He was the pastor of Central Baptist Church. And uh, really it's because he left Indiana when he was uh, 22 years old to come start Central Baptist Church, uh, that my family was reached with the gospel. Uh, does everything sound okay on the mic? Maybe. We're good? I don't know. It sounds different for me up here. Something, something's odd about me. Um, batteries died. I'll, I'll just use the pulpit. I'll stay right here, I promise. And if I fail, just, just start yelling amen really loudly, and I'll get back to the pulpit. Um, well, I've had many people that have impacted my life, and uh, Pastor Townsley is one of those. Uh, he's had such a profound impact on my life. The Lord led him when he was 22 years old to leave southern Indiana and go start Central Baptist Church. It was kind of unique how the Lord worked in his life, but his hand was definitely upon him and upon the ministry there, and there were mistakes made, but man, there was so much spiritual fruit that came from it. Well, I think about what my life would be like without that. I think of Pastor Boyle. He's a man from Asheville, North Carolina. He's got a big, deep southern voice, and uh, he's become almost like a brother to me. He's the co-pastor at our church. His kids actually call me Uncle Devin. It's kind of cute. Uh, but he's had such a great impact on my life. I still remember the very first time I ever met him. Uh, his wife was my teacher. It was just before they had gotten married. I was in eight, uh, seventh grade history class. She had been talking about her fiancé the whole school year. She was talking about how deep his voice was. And uh, when he showed up to our class, it was, we all just kind of looked at him and said, well, say something. We just wanted to hear him speak. We, we heard so much about his voice from his soon-to-be wife. Well, he had such a big impact on my life growing up, and I work closely with him today. And you can think of many people in your life that have had an impact on you. And for those people that have had a spiritual impact on your life, I want to submit to you that every single one of them paid a great cost to do so. 
Think of men like William Borden and the cost he paid. He was a young man who went on all across the world on a, on a world tour when he graduated from high school. His parents were very healthy and uh, healthy. They were wealthy. Uh, they were very wealthy, and they sent him on that world tour. And while he was in India, he surrendered to the Lord's call to preach and be a missionary. And he eventually, a few years later, he went off to Yale. And uh, while at Yale, he led a great revival at Yale. His freshman year, he began having a, a prayer meeting with his friend. And every single day, they would meet together and pray for all their lost classmates at Yale just, at Yale, just around the turn of the century, the 1900s. Well, they were praying and praying, and that prayer meeting grew. By the time he graduated, I believe the number is 1,100 of the 1,500 students at Yale University were joining every single week in prayer. He led a great revival at that school. He went off to serve the Lord, and while at, uh, studying the language in Egypt, uh, he contracted, I believe it was meningitis, and he passed away shortly after that. He had such a spiritual impact on this world. There were people literally across the globe on almost every single continent that led memorial services for his life, this young 25-year-old. He had a great impact. You can read about all kinds of lives of people who went off to the mission field just because of his testimony, how the Lord worked in his life. You know, he paid a great cost to serve the Lord. And if we're going to serve the Lord and if we're going to have a great impact on this world, it's going to come at a cost. Salvation's free. You don't have to pay a penny for it. It's completely free. Christ paid the price. He paid it all on the cross. We don't have to do one single thing to earn salvation. That's a free gift to us. But after we get saved, every step of Christian growth, everything we do for God, it's going to come at a price. We have to be willing to pay that cost. Uh, perhaps you, you're, I'm a tool guy. Anybody here like tools? All right, all the guys, raise your hands. I love tools. I had a little tool collection as a little kid, and that's just grown and grown and grown. Now I own thousands of dollars worth of tools. Well, you can look at a wrench, and there's all kinds of wrenches out there. You can go to Job Lot today and probably get a whole wrench set for just a couple dollars. You might be able to go off to Lowe's today, and you can get a Craftsman wrench set for probably $30 or $40. Or you can catch one of those snap-on trucks that drive by your front door and uh, flag one of them guys down and buy a wrench set off of them. And that same $4 wrench set at Job Lot and that same $40 wrench set at Lowe's is now $400 off the snap-on truck. Why would anybody pay that kind of money for a wrench set? Because they see that it's worth it to pay that cost comes with a lifetime warranty. They swing by your front door if you ever have a problem and just swap out the wrench, no questions asked. And uh, it's built to the best tolerances with the best steel. Somebody looked at that wrench and said, hey, it's worth it to pay that cost. As a Christian, we got to see the value in living our life for Christ, of being a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gave everything to, to pave our way to heaven. Uh, the least we can do is give our life back to him. And as a Christian, it's a blessing to pay the cost to follow Christ. There's a cost to following the devil. Uh, each one of us, we can shirk at paying the cost to follow Christ, but, and we can choose to follow the devil. We can choose to get out of God's will. We can choose to serve ourselves. But when we do that, there's a cost to doing that as well. 
When you look at the children of Israel, if I can find this verse, I'll have you turn to it. If you look back at, well, we're not going to turn to it because I don't see the verse. But in the book of Psalms, uh, you'll see that your children of Israel, the Bible talks about how the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, uh, they wanted to have meat. And the Bible says that the Lord gave them their request, but he sent leanness unto their souls. There was a cost to getting out of God's will. There's a cost to getting out of God's will for each one of us. Hey, it's important to be in God's will, to stay in his will, to do what he asks, to follow him wherever he leads. In this passage, there's three individuals. We're not uh, told the outcome of each one of these individuals, but we're left with the idea that they decided not to follow Christ. That's sad. It really is. I think about Pastor Townsley. Uh, man, what would happen if he chose not to follow Christ? I think of Pastor Boyle. What would have happened if he chose not to follow Christ? Or if you look back in history, somebody like William Boardman, if he chose not to follow Christ, or perhaps somebody like Charles Spurgeon, if they chose not to follow Christ. Think about who led you to Christ. Think about what would your life be if they chose not to pay the cost to follow Christ. I mean, that's a sobering thought. And then to think about our future and to think about, hey, in the year 2050, when we look back at our lifetime and we look back at how we've lived our life, will there be people following Christ because of our testimony? Or will we have been willing to pay the cost to follow Christ? Uh, here we see in this first individual, he was a good guy, and every single one of these were good people. It says in verse 57, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Um, I don't know Pastor Phil Brick very well. Um, he's probably independently wealthy and one of the smartest men in the whole world and the most talented preacher in America. I, I, I'm just assuming that, but I don't know it for sure. Uh, but one thing I know about preachers is they get excited when somebody decides to follow Christ. Am I right? I mean, that pumps us up. That's like what we live for. Uh, man, I was, I was preaching out in Maryland uh, a couple months ago, and there was an elderly man who came up, and he said, you, don't, you probably don't know me, and you probably don't remember this. But four years ago, you preached at a youth event at our church here. It was a big church. They had about 100 kids at that youth event. It was a huge event. And, uh, man, I preached there, and he said, you preached on surrendering your life to Christ. And I realized then I had never surrendered my life to Christ. And that began a period of searching in my life. And I began praying about it. And I went up to my preacher and told him, hey, I want to surrender my life to Christ. Uh, he was a man working in the Washington, D.C. area. Had a very profitable job, very successful career. And he was at the tail end of his career. Well, the Lord led him to give up his job and to serve on staff at his local church. Man, I heard that. I was like, wow, that is awesome to think God could use me, just a kid preaching, and to have some, lead some man to make that decision. I mean, that's exciting when somebody follows Christ. Well, when I, somebody follows Christ, I get all excited about it. But Jesus, in verse 58, instead of doing that, instead of parading this a man, a man around and congratulating him on his decision, he confronted him with the cost. He said in verse 58, And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. That's astounding. I mean, that, I, I'm a New Englander. I'm just rude by nature. 
Uh, but man, it just seems like Christ was very rude. In the, I mean, he was a, a pure New Englander in this passage. This man wants to follow Christ and he says, listen, I'm homeless. Are you sure you want to do this? He tries to talk him out of it. He confronts him with the cost. This man allowed possessions here on this earth to keep him from following Christ. Just think about all the people that may have been saved through this guy's ministry. Perhaps he would have been empowered to do miracles just like uh, the apostles were. Maybe he would have been a founding member in the first century church. Perhaps he could have been a pastor and pastored a church maybe in Corinth or Thessalonica. But no, he looked at this, he looked at the cost and said, I don't think it's worth it. If we decide to follow Christ, you know, Satan's going to confront us with the cost really quick. Uh, we're going to be faced with that cost. When I graduated college, I, I, uh, I was working for a guy who owned a private island up near Bar Harbor. Uh, it's Long Island. It's a big island out there just outside of Blue Hill Bay. He owned that island, and I would go up there and work. And uh, He was a wealthy man, obviously, to own an island like that. He had a big successful construction company and we would go up there and I'd get to go scuba diving and I'd get to go four-wheeling and it was just the best college job ever. He tailored his schedule around my or, or my work schedule around what I my obligations with the school and with ministry. I mean it was perfect. Well he paid me well and uh, when I went up there just after I graduated college I was offered a position to be a youth leader. And I'll I won't tell you how much I made, but it wasn't very much. Uh, it was about what I made doing construction for one day. Uh, that was my weekly salary. And I was going up there, and I was just about to start this job, and he realized he was losing a construction worker here, uh, some guy who could use to build his company. And he started rolling out the red carpet. He said, hey, you could spend the whole summer up here, work on the island, go scuba diving every day. You can go four-wheeling, I'll pay you a generous salary, and he had a big number there for me, and you can spend the whole summer up here, I want to build a house up here, and you can run a construction project and be the, the construction manager bu building that house. And I'll tell you what, I don't think there could have been a more perfect job for me. I mean, it checked all the boxes. I was looking forward to this, but I realized that the Lord called me into the ministry, and I had enough spiritual sense at that moment to realize that this was a fork in my life. Was I going to follow Christ or was I going to work for possessions? Was I going to work for pleasure? And I'm thankful I chose to follow Christ. This man chose not to. And I believe in a church like this, there's a whole church filled with people who chose to follow Christ instead of possessions. But we got to remind ourselves often, hey, am I still fully surrendered to Christ? Am I serving him or am I serving possessions? The next man, in verse 59, we find him here. It says, and he said unto another, follow me. Now, you'll notice this is a little bit different. The first guy volunteered himself. The second guy was commanded by Christ to follow him. As a Christian, it's really a command to follow Christ. I think sometimes we have the idea that I'm right here in my Christian life. And if I want to get right here, I'll have to pay the cost to get right there. But I can be content and just stay where I'm at if I want to. That's not an option. When God calls us to follow him, we've got to follow him wherever he goes. This man was commanded by Christ to follow him. And it says in verse 59, But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. 
Now, if you thought verse 58 was offensive, wait till you hear verse 60. Uh, he's, he's breaking all the barriers here. He's, he's going straight up New Englander. He says, Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That was a staunch statement right there. That's convicting. That was brutal. See, Christ knew this man's heart. He knew what was going on in that heart. And just like God, Christ knew this man's heart, Christ knows each one of our hearts. We can look good on the outside, but he knows on the inside if we're fully surrendered to follow him, if we're willing to pay that cost. And here in verse 60, Christ is confronting him with that cost. He says, hey, let the dead bury their dead. Your job is to go preach. That's a staunch command right there. And we're left with the idea that the man chose not to do that. This man put his family, his parents, above Christ. When I surrendered to Bible college, there was my grandmother. Uh, she, was, uh, she had made a profession of faith, but she was still Roman Catholic. And uh, she wasn't, I didn't see any fruit of salvation. And uh, so I'm not sure if she got saved then or not. And I've witnessed to her afterwards, and I, I hope she's saved. Uh, but I remember going to her house after I surrendered to go to Bible college. And man, she heard that I was going off to Bible college, and she was upset. Uh, she wanted a businessman in her family. Uh, that was her vision. That was her passion. And man, she got so frustrated with that that I went off to Bible college. And every single time she would see me, she'd say, why are you going in the ministry? You're not going to make any money doing that. Well, that happened over and over and over again. And that was a struggle for me. And I'll tell you, that's, that's probably a struggle for anyone here, to go against your family, their wishes. But God could take care of his family. Uh, I don't know what this man's father's position was, but perhaps he was sickly, perhaps he was elderly, uh, perhaps he, he was just up there in age, and uh, this son wanted to spend as much time with his dad as possible. Uh, perhaps his dad had just passed away, and uh, there was a few weeks that he had to prepare for the funeral and all that. But whatever it was, this man was putting his dad above Christ. The best place for your family is just below Christ. Do you think God could take care of this man's father better than he could? I think so. God could meet everyone's need in this situation. But this man said, hey, I'm unwilling to follow Christ because of my family. And I hope that's none of us. That's something I struggled with a lot while I was in Bible college. Uh, but the Lord helped me through that, and he strengthened me through that. I hope each one of us here, we're willing to follow Christ no matter what it costs, even if it costs our family. Then in verse 61, we see the third person. It says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This man, I, I, I want to believe, was the most noble of all of them. This man wanted to go follow Christ. Uh, he was volunteering to follow Christ. But he just wanted a few minutes to go say goodbye to everybody at home. Lord knew his heart, and he said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Christ knew this man would struggle with the past. This man was going to struggle with looking back over and over and over again. And as a Christian, we shouldn't be busy about looking back. We need to be busy about looking forward. You know, Christ wants us to look forward. Christ wants us to look unto him. As a Christian, it's always a temptation for me to look back 
and for me to look back what I left behind and to long for that. I want you to think of Lot's wife. I uh, got to go to Israel a few years ago, and uh, when you go visit the Dead Sea, you take a tour of the Dead Sea, and everything around the Dead Sea is all salt. All the mountains, they're solid salt. And as we're on that tour, one of the tour guides pointed to a big spire on top of this hill, and he said, hey, we named that one Lot's wife because she turned to a pillar of salt. Now, somewhere in that big pile of salt is Lot's wife. She turned to a pillar of salt. Now, think about this. Lot's wife was doing every single thing God asked her to do. She was leaving Sodom. She was leaving all her friends, all her family, all her possessions, and she was fleeing the destruction to come. She was doing everything right. Her only sin was looking back. Man, as a Christian, it's always a temptation to look back. Think of the children of Israel. They were out in the wilderness. They were freed from slavery. The whole time they're in the wilderness, they're looking back to Egypt, longing for what they left behind. As a Christian, I, I hope none of us forget what it's like to be lost. You know, it's a horrible thing to be lost, to be on our way to hell, to be on our way to uh, punishment, to be on our way to a life that's unrewarding, that, that there's no joy in life, to, to lack the, the assurances that we have in the Bible. That's a horrible place to be. Why would anybody long for that after becoming a Christian? Well, Satan can pervert every single one of our, 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 our judgments and cause us to look back and long for what we left behind. This man was going to struggle with that, and the Lord said, No man having, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I hope every single person here is willing to pay the cost to follow Christ. Uh, one of my favorite characters in history is a man by the name of uh, Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale was in the Revolutionary War. He was a young man. He was a, he was a school teacher in a one-room schoolhouse. He lived there in Connecticut where he taught. He grew up there and spent his whole life there. Well, when the War of Independence came along, he surrendered to the cause of the Patriots, and he fought for the Patriots. They made him a spy, and while spying on the British military, uh, they caught him. And they had a trial, and they hung him up at the gallows, and he was about to hang and, and lose his life. And while he's in the gallows, one of the British, they, they offered him one last chance to recant. And his response was, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Man, I think about that. That is convicting to me as a Christian. I mean, think about that. That man's resolve, his passion for the cause, he was, his only regret was that he had but one life to lose for his country. I wonder if each one of us as a Christian will be willing to save, serve the Lord with that same resolve. To, 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 at the end of our life, our only regret will be that we had but one life to serve the Lord. Now let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not too familiar with how you normally uh, 